Welcome to the Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. We present cold case crimes that we feel can and should be solved with your help. We provide the facts of the case and the research that we have done. Then web sleuths like you help us solve the mystery and provide the victim, family, community, and law enforcement with justice and peace of mind. This is Solve Crimes. interesting episode we got here i am well this episode is very different than what we've done in the past and i'm right. excited about it oh yeah yeah me too it's yeah it's different because we're not we're not really telling a story here um as before uh we're we're actually doing a an exclusive interview mm-hmm. um and uh, you and i have been like really thankful uh whatever we're doing you know in the podcast and on the on this youtube channel we're uh uh we're, we're hitting some type of a nerve and we're getting people that we really are amazed to hear from contact us. Yeah. Um, and you know, know, just a little inside baseball for our listeners and viewers. When we were thinking about starting this thing, Rick is a little bit more of a dreamer than I am. And I am a little bit more uh, earthbound. Uh, <laughs> he, he told, you told me, that you know, if we do this right, people are going to just come out of the woodwork, and they're going to they're going to tell us their stories and all that stuff. And I I went, uh huh, yeah, right, <laughs> right. But it's happening, and it started happening almost immediately. Almost immediately. Now we've yep. had we've had some characters reach out to us. Yes. But if we have to sift through the characters to find the the diamonds, you know, like like and this we have person. two diamonds coming up this episode and our next one. Yeah. Um, totally and, worth uh, it. Very much worth it. Um, and, uh, I mean, our reaction to both of them was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so who are we talking episode, to today? Yeah. So this episode, um, we, I got a friend request on Facebook within a minute of me getting that friend request. I got a message from him and he said, Hey Rick, uh, please give me a call. My name is Michael Willis. I'm the son of Ray Willis. And of course, Ooh. Ray Willis, we all know as Raymond Willis, right? That's Judy, what's printed. Judy's fiance. Judy's fiance. Um, so Michael told us not only the interview was fascinating and he gave us information that we could not have gotten anywhere else. And you know, he gave us several attaboys. Like he, he's gone yeah. over the years and kind of looked up information and there's been a lot mm-hmm. of misinformation out there. And he gave us a couple attaboys, but he did correct yeah. us a couple times, didn't he? He did. Yeah. And well, and when he first reached out to me, the first thing he said was that uh, he thought that we were doing a really great job and he thought that we were doing, uh, you know, we we're doing right by Judy and his dad, you know, which I thought was, was cool. So uh, uh, yeah, first thing out of the gate, he tells us that this entire time, all these months of research and all the recordings that we've done, we've been saying Judy's last name wrong. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. So it is not Hikari. Right. 
It is hawkery. Hawkery. And now when that when took you me told by me surprise that, a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you, <laughs> when you, when you told me that I said, Oh, great. You know, cause we've been saying it wrong on all these videos. And of course we have to correct it. And I said, uh, um, I said, great. Now we're going to have to eat crow. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so it was like a half a beat later. Crow. I understood your joke. So yeah, this is us eating, eating crow. Um, yeah. So what, what was really funny about that is I spoke with a personal friend of Bill and Evelyn Hawkery. Well, you were kind of hoping that he was wrong. <laughs> I was hoping he was wrong because <laughs> so, yeah. she said so you would do your own research. Yeah. And so um, I think she was probably just trying, she had heard me say Hakari. And so she was yeah. saying it that way so that Maybe. I didn't feel bad about it. But I, I know many people who are multilingual, two mm-hmm. of which uh, speak Finnish. I reached out to one of them. What are the odds? And well, <laughs> the odds are great in my circle of friends because we all served as missionaries when we were young, right? So, gotcha. so anyway, you got instant feedback that I got instant feedback. It's that, hawkery. That of course that is yeah. how and, we pronounce. And my Judy's my name. response to you telling me that because you're like, yeah, it, it is said like that. And I said, well, you know. Michael's dad was engaged to her. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't say her name, her name yeah, well, correctly. He's like, why would you even question that? Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of hilarious. So that was interesting. The other thing that was uh, very funny, I thought, um, he said, uh, oh, and by the way, the picture of my dad you have on your website? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's not my dad. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a good looking guy. He's just not my dad. Guy, just, just not my dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so, so we were- provided us with a couple of photos of Ray. Yes, we now have cool. photos. I actually have to put those up uh, today. So um, what was really great without saying what Michael actually says, but what was really great is that, you know, the, the path that we have been on and we kind of naturally uh, wanted to humanize these victims um, instead of just being a name in the newspaper, um, we wanted to humanize them. So we gathered information, spoke to as many people as we could. And we, uh, like with Judy, talked about her aspirations and her dad spoke highly of her yeah. ideals and her determination and, and independence and all that. So we, uh, so that's how we've been presenting them. And it's amazing to get uh, Michael's information because unbeknownst to us, his father had told him a, a lot of this information. Um, unfortunately, Ray passed away in 2016, yeah. um, but he had, but Michael had been raised hearing these, these uh, uh, stories. And, and you, as you can imagine, well, he was even taken to the Hawkery home when he was young for like dinner and home? stuff like that. The Hawkery home. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I guess that's probably a good place to just get into the interview, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So Michael gives us a perspective that we never, ever, ever could have imagined getting. And, uh, right. and I think uh, everybody watching, if you've been following the Judith Hawkery case, um, you're going to find this information fascinating and literally nowhere else will you find this information well i mean my father you know he he grew up here in the sacramento area uh grew up on um, san francisco boulevard you know over off close to 14th avenue uh went to high school at christian brothers finished his last year uh at uh, hiram johnson uh from there you know he wanted to become a teacher you know so he went to sacramento state university that was what my grandfather uh, wanted him to do. He had two other sets that were older. Uh, they didn't go to college. You know, one was a was a baseball player for the San Francisco Seals. And he wanted to have that one scholastic child, I guess. So he wanted my dad to be an educator. Um, so my father, you know, he went and got his bachelor's degree. And during this time, he met Judy Hockery. 
and um, they were together from what I, I mean, he hasn't really said any specific uh, dates, but you know, I, the way he talks about it, I want to say that they were together for at least two or three years, you know, I mean, it wasn't like, a, it wasn't a summer thing, you know, um, right. so uh, they, um, uh, they were obviously engaged to be married and, you know, 1970 changed an awful lot for my father and his future. Uh, so as a boy growing up, um, it wasn't something that I was aware of, you know, I'd say probably for the first maybe 10 to 11 years of my existence. Um, I mean, there were different little things that, you know, looking back at now I understand, you know, what was going on, you know, such as, you know, my, um, I have a, an older sister. Uh, she, um, uh, she didn't, uh, well, she passed away, you know, in the womb as a stillbirth. Um, oh, man. So, uh, but she's buried out there at the Calvary Cemetery, you know, out in, um, uh, I think that's like in the Citrus Heights area. Yeah. And whenever we would go out to, you know, the um, the cemetery, you know, we would obviously go ahead and put some flowers, you know, on, on my sister's grave. And then he would always take us on over to this other area where I, you know, was a mausoleum. And he would put flowers on this other grave. And as a little boy, I didn't know who that was or what the story was behind it. You know, I just knew that it was somebody who was really important to my father at some point. Wow. Uh, and then later on, you know, I, I found out that, that, you know, my father was engaged to be married. And unfortunately, you know, his engagement was, well, didn't happen, you know, based on the fact that his fiance was murdered, you know, right. so it, um, he didn't really, it was, it's not one of those times where I think somebody sits down and gives you a, like a complete story of, you know, what happened from A, you know, to Z. Uh, it was like, kind of like piecemealed, you know, over the course of, you know, my, me growing up, you know, so I, I knew basically to begin with that my father had, you know, somebody that, um, uh, that, you know, he was going to be engaged to that had been murdered. The specifics, you know, wasn't really something that was shared with us. Uh, your dad passed in 2016? Yeah, he, he okay. passed away uh, this month, uh, 2016. Mm. Wow. Um, right around, well, like 69 years of age. Um, probably a heart attack or stroke. We don't know which, but, you know, I, I think it was more than likely a heart attack. But Right. And he did become a teacher? Is that what his career was? So um, after, you know, everything happened with Judy and he got his degree, uh, he tried to go through law school for a little while. You know, mm. he was going to McGeorge. And uh, he just, you know, at that time, you know, from what he's told me, uh, you know, it was a real dark time for him. You know, I mean, it, uh, you know, you know, it was about, I would say, I think he was about 23, you know, when all this happened, you know, yeah. and he married my mother, I believe when he was about 28, you know, so it was that five year period of time. Oh, okay. For, yeah. The first couple of years, you know, were real hard on him. Um, and, uh, and he stayed real close in contact, you know, with Hawkery family, uh, he would, you know, go over and, and have Sunday dinners and, uh, and him and his, or him and Judy's older brother, Michael, who I'm, I'm actually named after. They were really close, you know, in fact, wow. um, they, uh, you know, even after her passing, uh, they would, um, they would go fishing, you know, up in, you know, uh, hmm. uh, up Highway 50 and, you know, the Feather River and, um, you know, so they, they did pal around an awful lot, hmm. you know, even after that. And, you know, like uh, I was saying before, my, my dad used to take me and my other brother, you know, just to go visit the Hawkeries. And, you know, we were really tiny. I don't really have much recollection of it. Um, but, you know, they, you know, he did try to stay in touch. 
um, when I asked him, I says, you know, I, I don't really remember going, you know, to those, you know, dinners, you know, and he says, well, you were really little. I'm like, well, why did you stop? Uh, he told me that the reason why is, is that, you know, he just kind of felt bad going there, especially with a couple of kids, you know, knowing that, you right. know, he was set to marry his daughter and uh, right. these could have been his grandkids, you know. Not yeah, right. I know that's got to be uh, what a, I mean, it's such a tough situation all around for everybody you know, um, including you and, and, you know, and certainly, uh, you know, Judy's brother. I mean, everybody, it's just such a rough yeah, I scenario. Just, I mean, I'm a father of five myself. I have three daughters, you know, so just the thought yeah. of, you know, somebody doing that to one of my kids, you know, or somebody. Right. No, like it's that. frightening. It, it's and, absolutely. Yeah, you really, I mean, we can, we can sit here and say, geez, that must've been horrible, but we, there's no way we would. Yeah. We don't know. understand. Yeah. Man, that's a lot of information that is incredible to us i mean uh it also says a lot about ray and his character right yeah now. the um I, I guess the the saddest part about that to me is the whole idea that he would go and visit bill and evelyn with his boys in tow and kind of feel like i'm bringing them down because these yeah. two boys could have been their grandchildren well i mean how could they not see that but i i yeah. uh but he, I mean, it sounds like for 10 plus years, he was getting together with them. Um, you know, they uh, clearly thought highly of him. Um, yeah. And uh, and, were, and, a, and clearly, in my opinion, they did not suspect him of, of anything, um, you know, to, uh, as far as his involvement. Um, so, uh, but it was really nice to hear, you know, um, and I mean, and the fact that Michael was named after Judy's older Judy's brother that's brother wow i mean that's who incredible. we understand is is still living uh, and i also believe he's in the sacramento area still yeah we we would love to be in contact we'd love with to talk to him we haven't searched him out because again we're we're kind of sensitive to these things and we don't want to be that that you know the guys that bring up bad memories but we would be very interested in speaking with him and uh, yeah it is uh, a little different if somebody reaches out to us and wants to talk to yes. us, but it, yeah, but it is so hard to reach out doors. and uh, yeah. knock on the door. Hey, we'd really like to talk to you about 50 years ago when your life was, you know, split in two. Kind of right. Well, I mean, you know, if, if he was, if somebody knows him, if he was interested in speaking with us, I mean, it would absolutely be more out of respect for Judy and, and, and we'd be folks, yeah. more interested in hearing what, who Judy was from her brother's perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, which would be very, uh, very interesting and helpful. But, um, but yeah, this information from Michael, I mean, uh, um, you know, it, it clearly shows because we, up until talking to Michael, we did not know how it affected. We knew it would, of course, affect of course Ray's life. Affect him, sure. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear, you know, um, it took him years to really get into another serious relationship. And, uh, um, and he had a rough time, you know, um, didn't, didn't Michael uh, liken it to, you know, like, PTSD, you know, I mean, it, I think when we talked to him the first time, yeah. you know, that that's something, another little inside baseball. We talked with Michael kind of off the record for an hour and a half or so before we read the first night. Yeah. The first time. And then, then we mm -hmm. decided to record the interview when he gave us permission to do that. Yep. So, so uh, yeah, he, he talked about his dad was suffering from post-traumatic stress. Right. Right. Yeah. That, uh, that would have been pretty rough. So, uh, yeah, let's uh let's get back in and hear the rest of what Michael has to say. 
I wanted to ask you questions about what you know about the night that Judy Hockery went missing. What, what was going on at that time? So the way that my father tells it is that um, he was working uh, on a master's thesis at the time, you know, late as he was going to Sac State. Uh, he got a phone call from Judy, you know, who was still at the hospital at the time. Uh, she invited him over, you know, over at the Markston Apartments. It was kind of late, you know, because it was, I think, getting on at 11 o'clock. But she had suggested that maybe, you know, it would be not a bad idea to come on over. She would make him a breakfast. And so he said, okay, that's fine. He had a key. And so he drove over in his, <clears throat> in his uh, Super Beetle and uh, let himself in. You know, she uh, was going to go to the grocery store. You know, I, I think it was a Lucky's, you know, if, if I remember, you know, correctly, because they were open up late. And um, she was going to pick up some some food, you know, basically a breakfast for dinner kind of a situation. And um, and she would meet him over at the apartment. You know, so he got there, uh, let himself in, sat down, started watching TV. And then after, you know, about an hour and a half, almost, you know, two hours goes by, he starts to get worried. So he calls up, um, calls up the hospital because, you know, as a nurse, sometimes, you know, if there's an emergency that happens and you think you're leaving, you don't leave. You know, you wind up staying. Right that maybe that's what was her situation and so uh they told her that she had left on time you know which at this point you know worried my father and we're, we're talking about a day and age where you know you can't just call somebody on a cell phone to check up on right them. you know if they don't show up you know then they don't show up right and so he, he went on down to where she parks her car and he found her vehicle and at first you know he i remember him saying that you know he felt <clears throat> you know felt like you know, okay, well, there she is. But as soon as he, as soon as he got a little closer to the car, he started noticing things, you know, the door was, you know, open, her car keys were on the ground, there were some buttons, you know, that were, you know, all, all over the place, you know, from her jacket, you know, and that he'd found some um, uh, rags, you know, that this shouldn't have been there. Uh, and at that point, you know, he was concerned, you know, called up um, his mother, my grandmother. Um, and then she advised to call the police. Uh, hmm. So he called he called the police and um, told them, you know, that, you know, this is a situation. So they sent, you know, a, a couple squad cars out. Uh, he also, I believe, called um, their parents or her parents, you know, just to let her know that, you know, hey, she's gone and her car is here. And uh, they searched, uh, I guess, a field, you know, that was close to the Markston apartment complex, you know, just to see if maybe they would, you know, find anything out there. But you know, they didn't, um, they didn't find anything, unfortunately. Now, is this kind of information that was pieced together over the course of your life? Or did you ever have a conversation with your dad where he like told you the story? Um, you know, he's told me the story probably a couple of times, you know, um, I kind of, I almost felt like it was somewhat therapeutic for him, you know, to kind of, you know, to, to explain what happened at that time. What you've told us so far, if I can kind of recap, there's a couple of gems that we can pull out of there that that isn't anywhere in any news article that we've that we've read. The first is he was expecting her to be a little late because she was going to stop at the grocery store and get some groceries for breakfast for dinner. Right. And then the second thing is some people uh, they criticize the gap between the time he went down and saw the car and the time that he called the police. It was like 15 minutes, right? What yeah. you just said was he called his mom. <laughs> like, what do I do, mom? Kind of a thing. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Rick, this is 
I'm glad we're stopping here because this is something that is not in any report anywhere that we can find. The fact that Ray was expecting Judy to be late, right? right. Because she was going to stop to, to pick up groceries to have like a breakfast for dinner with Ray. Right. Um, yeah, that's, we've never heard that. And I'd always kind of questioned, and you and I in private talking, we would, we would ask each other, why did it take Ray until 1.45 to go out and see if she's parked somewhere in the parking lot? Right. But it, and, and we always kind of chalked it up to, well, it's the time you can't, you can't call cell phones and all that stuff. But now we know that he was expecting her to be a little. He did call the hospital before he went out there. So to his credit. Yes. But, and we always assumed that, but I don't remember ever reading that. And I'm glad that Mike told us that he had called the hospital. Right. So uh, anyway, I looked it up. There's really no convenient grocery store between uh, Judy's work and her apartment. So she either would have had to go back towards Sacramento or past the apartment. But here's the thing that we kind of just talked about that it uh, we're both curious about. There's no mention of any groceries being found in the car. That is correct. No and that groceries. does not seem like something that a killer would, you know, hang on a second, let me get the groceries. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ooh, make, I love bananas. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or, or I love breakfast. <laughs> right. Um, so we kind of speculated between us. It could be that, you know, she had just worked a long shift. Maybe she wanted to come and change and ask, you know, because again, there's no texting uh, or cell phones. So she may have decided to come home because the if what we're saying is, is right, you'd have to pass her apartment to go to the grocery store. So she may have just stopped off to ask him, you know, like you were saying, you know, hey, you want eggs or, I mean, a sausage or bacon or whatever. Yeah. And maybe she wanted to change out of her nurse's uniform to go to the mm -hmm. grocery store. So that's very plausible. Or, yeah, or she went back to the, there's a, there was a lucky supermarket on Alhambra, I want to say, now it's a safe way. There's also, there was also a lucky supermarket on, it was either Alta Arden or Arden Way, right? Which is now a Safeway, right? right. So the one right. on Arden that would be past her apartment. I think that pretty much answers it. You know, I uh, I don't want to read too much into that. You know, I, I don't. There's no indication that that that's a giant factor, but it is. It is interesting. Yeah. Um, so so Ray calls the hospital. Was told that she left on time. Mm -hmm. Now gets worried. Now, one of the other questions that I've had is... Well, he still gave her a little bit of... Gave her a little way. time. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other questions that I've had this whole time that we've been looking into Judy's uh, disappearance was, why does it take so long to call the police after you discover what looks like a crime scene? It looks and like a struggle. We, now we know he spoke to his mom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that may not have been a two-minute phone call. You know, she may have asked him, you know, if, if you called your mom and you were that age, I'm sure, you know, before yeah. saying call the police, you would ask, you know, when was the last time you talked to her and how, you know, where was she going? Was she doing that? You know, that kind of a thing probably happened. Um, and, yeah. uh, and then he, she, she, you know, suggested he called the police and then he also, you know, called uh, the hockery. So, yeah. And, you know, I look back to when I was 23 years old and of course I was not a graduate student. So I obviously wasn't as smart as Ray. But um, at 23, 
I, I think that that's a perfectly natural thing. Like, I don't know what to do next. What do I do? I'm going to call my mom. She'll know. That's right. right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So everything, I mean, you know, as, as you and I've said, and, and, uh, and Michael acknowledged when we first spoke with him, uh, uh, when he reached out that, um, we've kind of gave Ray the benefit of the doubt and everything that he did in the, even the timeline before we knew about the, the known delay. Um, it just didn't seem, I mean, what's the motive? You know, there's no motive. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, it just didn't make any sense. And, and, uh, and the things that he told Michael growing up, you know, you can tell it was a guy who was processing a giant event in his life, um, for him to continually talk about those details, uh, you know, with his son growing up. So, yeah, you know. well, let's get back into it. We covered the whole, uh, situation where um, she had a first floor apartment because she was refurbishing a family piano. And you had mentioned to us that your, your dad actually blamed that piano on him not being able to see the parking lot had, cause he wanted her to be in an upstairs apartment, right? Just yeah. for safety. Mm -hmm. And so had he been, had it not been for the piano, she'd have been on the second floor and he would have been able to look down and possibly have seen something happening and could have stopped it, which, you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of people had that kind of, guilt yeah. you know um so it makes sense but that was an interesting thing you had pointed out yeah you know he, he kind of blamed that you know and i and i told him i says you know the, the reality of it is, is you know you can always play a monday morning quarterback but just not anything you know that happens in life and the reality of it is, is it, you know well you know hindsight's 2020 and uh let's just use that as a hypothetical what if you could see that you know she was being you know taken you know i think that anybody you know naturally would try to go down and stop it you know i mean that's just the way it is but if you got three guys you know what's the possibilities of them either you know overpowering you or them having a gun i mean yeah. you know you might have been able to make an attempt to stop it but who's to say you would have been successful at it you know so right and it was probably super quick and if he was watching tv the odds of him looking out the window right at the time right i mean that's also pretty slim right exactly you know yeah, I, bet, I bet it was so fast yeah, it happened fast. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, unless he was standing there, you know, looking down, you know, watching out his window the entire time. Right. Um, right. There is, uh, yeah. Now, one of the things that we kind of uh, surmised, we kind of guessed when reading through all of the articles that we could find was that your dad was kind of above reproach, right? That nobody ever suspected him. They went busy looking for Judy, but was that the case? Um, no, not, not to begin with. Um, so, uh, I've, you know, I've read a lot of articles, you know, since, and it seems like, you know, for the most part, you know, it, you know, the articles have, you know, kind of exonerated him, you know, as being not, you know, the suspect, but I do remember him telling me that, you know, for that first seven weeks of that investigation before they had a body, um, that they were bringing him in on a regular basis, you know, downtown. Mm -hmm. so that was, that was new to us. We had not, we did not know that. Yeah. You know, he, um, they were, they were really pressuring him, you know, and he told me that, you know, that, you know, they had him scared, you know, with the things that they were saying, He's, you know, they were, they were pretty much talking to me as though I had done it, you know, and that they just, you know, come on, you know, let's, let's, let's stop, you know, let's stop kidding ourselves. Just tell us what you did with the body, that kind of right. stuff. Right. Oh, man. That you must know? have been really tough. And, and I'm like, I couldn't imagine putting myself in that position, you know, here, my, my fiance is missing and the police are looking at me, you know, yeah. when I think you should be out looking for her and whoever did this.
he was still living at home um, at the time that this all happened. You know, I was going to college. And um, what he did was he got a map, you know, of kind of Northern California area and a protractor and figured out about how far one could drive and then get back. It would fit that timeline. Um, and so when he you know, got this protractor, he drew a big circle, you know, on the map. Uh, and my grandfather happened to walk in, you know, and he says, what are you doing? You know, and he says, look, um, he says, they really think it's me, you know, and I feel like based on the time that, you know, she went missing, you know, up until the point of when I made a phone call, this is about the distance that I could go and come back. If she's found anywhere within this, this, uh, this radius, you know, I'm going to be still, you know, being looked at, you know, as possibly the, what the person that did this, you know, so they yeah, found that's, a, that's a dramatic, you know, scene that you, you, you paint oh. there, you know, I mean, we can't even imagine just how frightening that would be, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and and the I guess the the emotion, the conflicting emotions, right? Like I I really want them to find my fiance, but I ugh, I don't want them to think that I did anything, you know. So yeah. so trying to save yourself, but also trying to save your fiance, that's that's a real conflict. Yeah. And that, and that proves that they were putting pressure on him because you know I mean, yeah. I mean, just think about it. You know, I mean, somebody that's really close to you, you know, goes missing, and in most cases, you know, it's somebody that you know, you know, unless you know, a serial killer, you know, then that could just be happenstance. But, but then there's too many things where it's like, okay, well, this is, looks like it's premeditated. So it wasn't a crime of passion. You know, it was something that, you know, a person or persons planned. Right. Yeah. If it weren't for those strips of uh, towel and stuff, um, it, it could have been like a random thing, but that, that definitely shows pre-planning. Yeah. yeah. Premeditation for sure. Dude. Okay. Wow. This is heavy. I mean, I immediately picture like a made-for-TV movie, that scene, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just The circle, powerful. drawing the circle on the map. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, what a, uh, you know, I mean, because the stuff that we're learning from Michael that we did not know, because it really wasn't much, there wasn't much about it in the paper as far as uh, whether or not Ray was a suspect. I mean, of course we know they're going to look at him. You know, I mean, that's natural. Uh, yeah. But, um, but, but knowing, they looked at him hard and they pressured him. They, you know, they, they pressured interrogated him. him. That's right. Yeah. Just tell us. Come on. We know you did it. Just tell it. You know, they, they pulled all the better. typical tricks. Yeah. 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 And, he, and he clearly didn't break. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but he knew that he was a suspect, clearly. And, yes. uh, and so, um, you know, and talk about a, a conflict within oneself, right? Just, just yeah. a weighty, difficult conflict that one well, to, to deal with losing your fiance in that way, right? Is yes. mind blowing enough and life altering, but and then now on you have to defend that, yourself, right? On top of that, you have to worry about being arrested. Yeah. Now, you know, and I'll put it on the screen. You know that you I did the yeah. same exercise as Ray. Yes. As uh, soon as you could. <laughs> as soon as I possibly could. Yes. And it was much easier for me because we have Google Maps and we have Photoshop. And so it's uh, correct. You I don't have to use a, a compass. You know? use compass. <laughs> yeah. So one of the What'd things, well, what I found was Judy was found within that circle. Judy was found uh, east, basically, on just off of Interstate 80. So um, what I kind of figured is if Ray 
was the murderer. And he he took his fiance and he was just going to take her as far as he could and dump her, not not dig a hole and bury her, but take her as far as he could and dump her. Right. right. He could have gone way past Weimar, way past Alta, and uh, still gap, just and still gotten back. And if you take into consideration the time that it would take to dig a shallow grave, put her in that, cover her up, he still could have gotten to Weimar, done that, and come back. Well, and here's the thing that makes no sense to me. I mean, he's he was drawing that map, and you were drawing that map based on a timeline that had already happened. Yes. If Ray was the one that did it, he doesn't need to call the police until the morning. And it would have been totally plausible. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. So he could have bought himself so much more time. Yeah. And, and I'm not I'm I'm not trying to disparage Ray here. I'm just saying No, that no, no. When, I'm just saying when Judy that, was discovered. You know what, when he drew that on the map, it was based on a on an actual timeline. But if he were the one who had did it, he, he could have made have, up the timeline. Yes. You know what I mean? Correct. But so he wouldn't have, I, wouldn't have called I, that I think early. I'm just, I think the point I'm making is that when Judy was found, they probably again went, it's the boyfriend. It's the fiance. Right. right. And I wonder what his reaction was when, when he realized that she was found in that, in that circle. Yeah. My well, mind. I guess we get back into the interview. Yes. Yeah. They did find out um, uh, that uh, I do remember what my dad had said about the, uh, the, I guess the scraps, you know, whatever it was that they were used. Uh, it was, you know, something that was actually being used. I guess those bags were being used in the San Juan school district. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, is that something that your dad told you or did you read that somewhere? No, I do remember my father telling me about that. Um, and then I talked to my other brother about it and I asked him and, you know, he confirmed the same thing. He says there was only a couple of places, you know, that were local right. that actually, you know, those bags are made for. Right. And the St. Juan School District was one of them. So. Yeah, and we have not discussed the details about that on, you know, in our podcast or on our uh, YouTube channel because we weren't sure, you know, we didn't want to just say stuff without, you know, because it wasn't really confirmed in, uh, by the press. So it's interesting to hear, hear that your yeah. dad said that. And we asked, um, we asked the Sacramento Sheriff specifically that question the bag that she was found in what was that used for the san juan unified school district and they came back with no comment yeah rick one of the things that we have not wanted to speculate on that the internet has speculated on for years is the canvas bag that judy was found in well we didn't want to speculate in detail because we weren't sure that that was we knew that she was found in a canvas bag Right. Online, the speculation has been that it was um, it was made for the San Juan Unified School District. Now, it, Mike just told us that that is the case, and we haven't wanted to report that without finding some kind of corroboration, right? Yes. And yeah. Mike just told us that that his dad told him that that canvas bag was from the San Juan Unified School District. If I could just sidebar here for a second, I tried to confirm that with the Sacramento Sheriff's Office and they elected not to confirm that for us, right? Either maybe they, in another they 50 years they will. Yeah, in another 50 years, maybe they will. But so we tried to confirm it, but we couldn't. Now, now we have some, I guess, circumstantial third-party confirmation, so. And, and the San Juan School District was huge. Oh, San Juan Unified School District covers most of Sacramento, right? Yes. 
Yes. Uh, and I don't know if, uh, you know, people from outside of Sacramento, Sacramento is very much like any other kind of metropolitan smallish area in that it sprawls. Right. Yeah. So, um, I am a student from San Juan Unified School District. I, I graduated from high school in Sacramento. Now, one of the things that people kind of get on on the internet is, well, this was a San Juan Unified School District bag, then it must be somebody who worked for San Juan Unified School District or worked for the manufacturer or whatever. But what I kind of started thinking about overnight was, you know, me and my four siblings, we all graduated in San Juan. If you go to my parents' attic right now, from uh, activities we did or sports we played or PE or whatever, there there's probably at least five large canvas bags from the San Juan Are Unified School me? District. No. Okay. Well, I'm 10 minutes from your parents, so I'll, I'll verify. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Tell but, them I'm coming. So I'm just saying that I don't know that it means anything the canvas yeah. bag because that well, canvas I mean, bag it, would have it been certainly, in every family in the area. It certainly lends to the speculation that the that the killer or killers were local. Yeah. At least, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, because like you said, it could be a parent, it could be a teacher, it could be, you know, uh, a coach, it could be all those things. But it definitely, it definitely doesn't sound like it's a serial killer who's roaming back and forth across the country to have that bag. I, I think that's right because we have no indication. We know that, for example, Ray went to Hiram Johnson High School. He may have a San Juan Unified School District canvas bag, right? right? right. Uh, Judy went to, uh, where'd she go to? Mira Loma or something like that? Yeah. I, I, so. I can't remember, but she was, in, she was in the school district as well. Yeah. But, but why would either of them have that? bag on them or i mean especially judy i think we could rule her out for having that bag with her yeah i mean i don't think it's normal for a 22 year old to be carrying around their high school gym bag or something like that right, right so right yeah I, I think it probably came from somewhere else but i don't think it points to in, i think i agree with you that it points to the murderer being local because mm -hmm. you can't just buy those off the shelf somewhere right, right. Right. Uh, I mean, it's just another piece of the puzzle, you know, um, and, and as we know, in these kind of cases, when there's no eyewitness or video or anything, uh, every piece of the puzzle can take you in different directions, you know. Um, but that was interesting, like you said, to, to hear Michael confirm that, um, you know, that it came from his dad's mouth. You know, that was, uh, that was certainly of interest. Mike, was the police... They continually, I mean, not always, but they continually checked in on your dad, right? And re-interviewed him and, and things like that. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I, there was a long, long period of time. Um, I would say, I mean, I was born in 1979, you know, so I would say, I think I was maybe around 25, you know, so that would have been about 15, 16 years ago. Uh, you know, police officer knocked over, knocked at the door, you know, my parents' home and uh, introduced himself as a, an investigator of, you know, cold cases. And uh, they were telling him that they were still looking, you know, into, you know, the Judy Hockery case. Uh, they asked him whether or not, you know, he'd be willing to submit DNA, uh, which he was perfectly fine with doing. Um, I think the only one that had an objection with it was my mother because she 
Well, you know, my mom can get a little paranoid at times. Uh, well, I, that's understandable. That's pretty scary. Yeah. So she's, you know, I says, mom, you know, they're not looking at him, I'm sure, you know, so they did tell my father that they, they did like somebody for this crime, but, you know, obviously couldn't give any specifics or information about, you know, hmm. what, you know, how they, what, what they think, you know, it's, so I'd really, I'd really for, love to know that name. <laughs> me too. But if yeah. they ask for a DNA sample, I mean, that implies that they're comparing it against something, right? And you when know, we when we asked Sacramento sheriffs if they if there was DNA, the answer was no comment. But I feel I feel like there probably is DNA in this case if they're asking your dad to submit his DNA. Well, the other angle that I came up with was that it could have been kind of a, a little trick to see how your dad reacted. You um, know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that information about uh, about how they stayed in touch with Ray and came to his door, you know, sounds like about 2005, 2006, maybe. Yeah. Um, and uh, asked for his DNA. I mean, I like I, I briefly said there, I um, my first thought when I heard that from Michael about about them asking for DNA is I I, I thought it was like a, a way of seeing if, if they could trip Ray up. You know, because at that point, I mean, CSI had been on the air, you know, uh, people knew that DNA could get you arrested, right? I mean, it was very, uh, I think by that time, it was it was very well known. So, um, you know, I think if they asked Ray, like just came to his door, they didn't call him first, right? It was kind of like a, yeah, you know, just spring. That's it what on they him. did. They just came to the house. Exactly. And I think doing that, you know, it's, uh, it's almost an interrogation tactic. Like if they said, uh, you know, here we are and we'd like a sample of your DNA. If he had done it, and I mean, most most of the time, if someone's guilty, they're going to say, uh, yeah, no, you you can't take my DNA or I need to talk to my attorney. Yeah. And that might have been <laughs> an indication warrant. for them. So I think it was just, they were, they were, I mean, I'm sure they wanted his DNA just to have it to either exclude him or, or match something. But I, I do think that it was both. I think they, they were definitely wanting to see his reaction. Which, I mean, if you're right there, then at least on some level, Sacramento sheriffs were still saying, look at the fiance, right? As, and of course, the case would have been would. passed from investigator to investigator over time. Yes. Right. So, so they so, each want to have their own experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, but, but like Michael said, I mean, he willingly gave up his DNA immediately. So, uh, and, and they, and he, obviously that he was never arrested. So, which means we're still, cause we're still not clear on whether or not there is DNA to match to, but you know, either way, uh, he, he gave up the DNA and, you know, there was no, no further discussion according to Michael. So, uh, Gavin, hey, we've got, uh, we've got some pretty, pretty cool news to share with everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I'd like to introduce, uh, our new in-house detective with, uh, this guy's got 25 years of experience. Uh, he's retired, uh, retired police captain uh, from the San Francisco Bay Area. Joe Suffler, let's, let's uh, introduce yourself. Well, thanks, guys, first of all, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so like you said, I, I did spend 25 years in, in law enforcement uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. I, I retired two months ago as a, as a captain. Um, it was a small agency, but I... Spent a lot of my time working in investigations. I did mostly person crime investigations where um, robberies, homicides, um, 
you know, assaults, gang cases, attempted murders, stuff like that. That's, that's kind of where our, my bread and butter was. But I also did spend quite a bit of time uh, working on some cold cases while I was there. I, I actually investigated, we had uh, four cold cases that were open at the time. Um, this was early 2000s. I actually ended up solving one from 1973 um, wow. and actually got the case closed. It was a, it was a, it was a murder. Yeah. My, my experience um, when it comes to the, the cold case side of things is um, yeah, I, I had a case where I, I was investigating a, a murder still unsolved in the jurisdiction from that I worked from 81 and uh you know, I, I opened it up and I started talking to, to people and I came across this one guy and I, I started talking to him and he's like, Oh yeah, this was a, it was a cocaine dealer and he was um, his house where they were selling Coke and the girl was murdered inside. And, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, I was, uh, I was a distributor. I was running 500 kilos uh, a month up from Southern California. And I was buying it from this, this, this police officer down in, in Orange County area or Santa Ana or something like that. He was wow. like telling me this whole story. Jeez. I went to jail and, uh, and, and this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, this guy's just has nothing to hide. Right. He's like, Hey, I, I'm not involved, but I was, I'll speak freely. And I verified all his information. Wow. And it's like, as I started getting up the chain of this case, I got to a gentleman that I, that I interviewed and he came in willingly and talked to me. And in the middle of the interview, I said, Hey, um, two things. I, I want to get a DNA sample from you. Number one. And number two, um, what do you think about a lie detector test? And he said, I want my lawyer. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And he got up and left. And now do you uh, like pre-plan how you're going to deliver it? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 There's... So in that case, it was like Rick was saying that you're, you're just kind of testing him on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't really necessarily care about the DNA. No, not at all. In fact, I had no DNA evidence in the case whatsoever. I mean, from what we had been told was, is that the rape kit uh, that was in Auburn um, got lost. Uh, this was all previous to um, DNA testing. Um, right. But I was thinking what you had said, you know, that that could check out to kind of see how he would react, you know, whether yeah. or not he would have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, also, I would think, I do believe there is some DNA uh, for the, the, the Nancy, is it Benelak uh, case? Wow. And That's we're not we sure we're, we're saying our own names right at this point. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, we were saying Hakari forever until forever. you corrected us and we confirmed right. you're right. It's Hawkery. So whether it's Benalak or Benalak, it's Nancy. Yeah, we've been saying Benalak, and that's that's what we're sticking with until we Benalak, find out other, otherwise. I, I, my family didn't know her, so however, which way that that one's pronounced. Okay, all right. But, but I, I do remember hearing that there was DNA with that, and yeah. you know, it happened, you know, right <clears> down the street. You know, my father said that you know he thought it was weird that he could look out and uh, and see the other apartment, you know, from oh, yeah. from Judy Hoffrey's apartment. Um, it's that close, you know. So if there's Possibly well, and, and we've said this a million times, but we have a little one minute video that I shot going from the Markston apartment yeah. complex to Nancy and Alex. Right and so there. if somebody wants to see how close those are, it's a really quick video they could watch yeah. on our channel. Super fast. You know, I, um, but I'm thinking maybe who knows, you know, I mean, if they, if they can, you know, if they got DNA, you know, they could kind of cross-reference any DNA that was on that particular case as well and see if it pops right. up. Yeah, because there were five or six or seven cases happening all at the same time <clears throat> that there were a on, lot that on the surface seemed very connected. And some of them still to me seem very connected. So you're right, maybe 
maybe they were uh, trying to tie him to Judy's case through another case. Well, here's a, here's a question for you, Michael. Did, did your dad ever tell you what he thought happened? Like, did he have any, any thoughts on that ideas? Um, you know, the, he did go ahead and tell me, and this was prior to the investigators um, talking to him. Uh, but, you know, for the longest time, whenever he would tell the story, he would tell me that um, he felt that it was a, there was a gardener um, that, uh, that always had his truck, you know, I guess he lived at the complex, but, uh, you know, he thought that the gardener was a little bit weird um, and that it was kind of, you know, I, I can't, it's been such a long time, you know, the re I can't tell you the exact reason why he felt, you know, suspicious of that person, but he, mm -hmm. um, he does remember that when he got out of his, his Volkswagen uh, to go into the apartment, you know, his car was parked out there, his truck. You know, his the gardener's car. truck. And then, um, and then when he came out and found that, you know, Judy's car, you know, was there and she was gone, that truck was gone. Hmm. Uh, the following day, you know, the truck was back and it was muddy, you know, so, and it, it was because it was raining the night before, you know, he's like, well, where did that truck go? You know, they could have gotten that money, you know, and then based right. on where they found Judy Hoffrey, you know, he kind of had a suspicion that I wonder if it could have been him because, well, I know that he was there before she was, was, was kidnapped. She was gone after and the following day, you know, the truck is muddy, you know, it's like it's been, you know, kind of off-roading or something. I'm assuming he mentioned those things to the police. Uh, yeah, he did, you know, but uh, I, they did, the police did check out, you know, this guy uh, and they said that, you know, it didn't look like, you know, he, you know, I don't know if he had an alibi or what, but it wasn't something that they really looked at. Most mm. interesting. What are the things in those cases that like rule out a suspect, like non Hollywood, non TV? What, what are the things like if, if, if especially back if, then when there was no technology? Yeah. If a fiance yeah. comes to you and says, Hey, listen, I'm suspicious of the gardener. He's always been looking at Judy funny and he likes to park next to her car and she, he thinks she's beautiful. And it was there at 11 o'clock when I got there and it was not there at 1:45 when I came out and those are not his working hours. And then, you know, the next day it showed up muddy, like he'd been out somewhere. What, I mean, what does the police officer or the investigator do with that in order to rule in or rule out? that suspect well hopefully they would uh interview him and establish an alibi so where were you where did you do and then go ahead and confirm that so if he says i was home on light by myself mm, that's a little suspicious because now you could say but your truck was gone between this hour and this hour um where were you well i was with so-and-so at the bar and then you have to go back and you have to go to the bar and you have to so you have to you have to you have to nail down their their time frame and their alibi. So that'd be the first thing you do. And uh, well, back then there was no video surveillance, so there wasn't a, you weren't able to. I was at the so and so bar where you can't go to the par, bar and pull video yep. surveillance. No, uh, no, no ATM cameras. <laughs> no, no ATM cameras. But uh, there may be a receipt. Maybe there's a receipt from the bar or the liquor store or wherever that person said they were. And so that's what you have to do. You have to track down their alibi and you have to follow it up with hard evidence. How important would it be for him to, to have found out what happened? Um, really important. Um, I mean, it was something that, um, it's something that really bothered him his entire life. You know, it was never, you know, something that, uh, that I think he ever truly got over. Um, 
you know, so he, um, you know, like, like I said, you know, that's a life-changing event, you know, everything from that point, you know, in that evening had changed from, you know, his life mm-hmm. would have ended up totally different. So right. I could probably be empathetic and kind of, you know, think that, you know, if I was in that situation, I think I would probably wonder what my life would have been, you know, right. if that thing had not have happened. Have there been any other contact with the Hawkery family? <clears throat> Um, uh, after Evelyn Hockery, I believe she, she died of a stroke and then, um, and then Willow, I think was shortly thereafter. Um, and you know, he hasn't talked to, well, <laughs> he's not going to talk to him now, but, uh, he hasn't, um, he hadn't talked to Mike, Michael for a long, long, long time, you know? And like I said, you know, I, I says, you know, I mean, it, you know, you, if you should reach out and talk to him. And, you know, he was always feeling that, you know, I just, you know, I feel like every time that, you know, I, I, I go visit or if I contact them, I'm just a constant reminder of their daughter being murdered. So right. he just, you know, kind of let it go. How did you come across and uh, decide to reach out to us? Um, so I, you know, obviously have, you know, my own vested interest in the case, you know, I'd like to see it solved or, you know, some semblance of at least more information is also great too, you know, um, but uh, but like I was saying earlier, you know, it, it, that I'm the direct result, you know, to that situation from happening, you know. So, you know, it's um, it's one of those things that you know, it's like I've always liked, you know, true crime things, you know. So I, I definitely would like to see this one solved. But you know, I, I kind of feel like you know, wherever my dad is, you know, I'm sure that you know he knows what happened now, you know. But um, but now it's just the rest of us that you know would like to know what actually happened. So you were doing a search and came across us. Is that how? Yeah, I, was, uh, I, I just I type in Judy's name, you know, and uh, a lot of times you get a lot of information that pop up. You know, when I first started looking at this about 10 years ago, there was not a whole heck of a lot. You know, I was able to um, I was able to find some information that <clears throat> even my father hadn't uh, hadn't um, heard of, you know, at that point. But, you know, come to find out that that information is long since not been correct. <laughs> so it'd be, it'd be nice to be able to actually read the actual police reports, you know, if they could, you know, let us. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're talking my language there. I, I, <laughs> I, I, on the one hand, we have to be sympathetic, right? The police want to solve the crime, too. They want to solve the crime. But at what point do you start letting the cat a little bit out of the bag, some more clues so that other people can work on it and help you, you know? Yeah. You know, I think that this is a case that, you know, is so old that, I mean, I think that, you know, you would want to, um, I mean, obviously you don't want a lot of people that, you know, are kind of like what happened with the Zodiac. We had all sorts of people calling up saying that they were the Zodiac killer. You wouldn't want to, you know, you wouldn't want to have a bunch of people, you know, trying to, uh, to, to give bad information to, to make this cold trail even worse, you know, but um, so I, I kind of understand it in that regard. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, the investigators are investigating it, you know, the, the, you know, both victims, you know, Judy and my father and her parents, you know, are all gone. I think Michael's the only one that's left, right. you know, and for all we know, you know, the people that did this, you know, are, are, have long since been gone too, you know, so, you know, I, I don't see a problem with, <laughs> with being able to look into it. I was uh, online earlier today, you know, and I was just kind of looking at a few things and uh, came across a blog site, um, and uh, they were talking specifically about my dad uh, and uh, the fact that a, um, uh, in my grandmother's will, uh, there was a, uh, uh, a portion of it, you know, went to the nurses, you know, foundation of charity. Oh, wow. And, uh, and they, you know, kind of insinuated that, 
you know, mm. was that, you know, was that just, you know, being, you know, generous or was that guilt, you know, and I'm like, well, oh, come on. <laughs> I don't my, my, I'm like, my grandmother was a nurse. That was her profession. Oh, you was know? it really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So in her will, when she passed away, she donated part of the estate to the Judy Hockery Memorial yeah. Scholarship. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. It was just, you know, and, and as was, you know, they also, they thought an awful lot of Judy, you know, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm and, sure that's, uh, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, another weird tidbit, you know, my, my brother, he's a nurse, you know, and the reason, you know, being is because of, you know, my grandmother and Judy Hockery, you know? Wow. Um, wow. So, you know, that, uh, that Memorial fund has done a lot of good. We reached yeah, we out to, that. to Sac state and, you know, during the craziness that is trying to run a university in the middle of COVID-19, they, they got back to us with some information on that. Oh, that's good. They had about, it's still, it's still alive and going. It's still going. Yeah. Um, and I spoke with uh, a woman named Isla at the Finlandia club. And she told me that at some point in the recent past, they stopped donating to the fund. She wasn't sure why, if that was, um, you know, it was funded, it was already well funded or something like that. But um, I think I kind of, from the data that we got, I guessed that over the course of that from the 1971 school year to 2020, Sac State has awarded about $195,000 uh, to the nursing program. And if we if we kind of adjust that for inflation every year, that's the equivalent of well over $300,000. Oh, nice. So that was a, I mean, two weeks ago, we never would have dreamed of having an interview like that. Yeah. And, and we got clues. We got some good clues out of that. Absolutely. Well, this, you know, the, the bones of the case are starting to, you know, we're start, starting to get some flesh on there and they're starting to fill out a little bit and giving us yeah. a, a, a more complete picture. You know? How cool is that about uh, Ray's grandma when she passed away, giving part Seriously. of her estate to the and the fact that she time. was a nurse and, you know, Ray's, was it Ray's brother was a nurse? Uh, Mike's brother. So Ray's son. Oh, he's a nurse. Okay. Right, right, right. You know. So yeah, I mean, that stuff is just, I think that's great. And, uh, you know, clearly she, you know, I mean, well, I mean, Judy was about to be part of their family. So, you know, uh, clearly she was fond of her and, and, uh, you know, probably thought it was pretty, pretty cool that, you know, that, uh, Ray was engaged to a, a nurse and, and, uh, so it's, yeah, it's all. And, and I mean, the fact that she, you know, uh, donated part of her estate to, uh, to Judy's, uh, you know, the, the nursing fund is just, I think that's a testament to the, you know, to the family. Yeah. That, uh, that scholarship fund has done some real good in, uh, in the Sacramento yes. region. So uh, I think that's a good place to wrap this episode up. Our next episode is going to be something very similar to this. Yes. We've, already, we've already recorded it. Uh, yep. We need to go through the editing process. But and was, uh, we kind of mentioned it the last episode. Um, and, uh, and so uh, we have another exclusive interview uh, with the birth daughter of Carol Beth Hilburn, who, uh, uh, who was killed the same year as, as Judy. In a similar fashion. Similar. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Join us on the, on the next episode. And Stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe. Yeah. We've got some good information coming. Thanks for listening to the Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin podcast. Please subscribe to stay up to date with the cases we feature.
Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Solve Crimes with Rick and Gavin, for more details and visuals that we can't provide here. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. If you have information on this or any of the cases that we feature, or if you'd like to join the discussion in our case forums, please visit solvecrimeswithrickandgavin.com.